Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about tips for higher yields in corn. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening on your farm right now, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the agphd mailbag here after just a little bit. But first, I wanted to start talking to you about higher yields in corn. And, you know, even if you don't raise corn, <laughs> there's not a lot different with higher yielding corn or beans or wheat or cotton or sunflowers or canola or sugar beets. I mean, yep, there are a few things that are specific to each crop, obviously. But the basics are the same. We want to have, as much as we can, good drainage in these heavy soils or in the lighter soils, we're talking about water overall water management and having timely water there. We talk a lot on the show about fertility and balanced fertility. So just to give you a couple more tips deeper into that, I would just simply say when we look at some of the immobile nutrients in the soil, like in our heavy soils that we farm here, phosphorus, potassium, zinc, copper. I mean, these nutrients, they're not going anywhere. You put them into the soil and they're pretty well stuck there until a crop or a weed (laughs) uses them up. So we're going to manage those a little bit differently than we are sulfur, boron, and nitrogen that are all the way from somewhat leachable to very leachable. Again, all depends on the soil and the rainfall that you're going to get. But those things we're going to manage a little bit differently. But especially with the immobile nutrients. We've really got to look at balance and placement. So that's why we talk about those so much. We also have been discussing over the last couple of years just ratios that you can come up with on your own farm or even levels you can come up with on your own farm if you just simply start doing your soil testing at specific grid points, or I should say at specific GPS points in either grids or zones. So then you can match those GPS points where you soil test to yield and you pull yield off your yield monitor at those points and now you can start putting that all together on your farm for this year for next year for every year and pretty soon it's going to show you hey I kind of need to be at this level with this particular nutrient or this ratio of we talk often about phosphorus to zinc or phosphorus to copper things like that you can figure that out on your own just with your own data so that's exciting so those are all things for higher yielding corn in terms of weeds, we really encourage you to look at pre-emerge and post-emerge control on weeds, whether it's corn or, or almost any crop. Weeds are a killer. You just don't want weeds out there or you're not going to get the type of yield that you're looking for. Same thing with insects. we got to look at that all the time and be scouting all the time. It's a little bit different with insects because we don't really want to spray post-emerge without seeing insects. Well, I guess I, I shouldn't say it's much different. It, it You know, with weeds, you see weeds post-emerge, you go spray them. So I guess it is kind of the same. But either way, we want you to do something early. So pre on the weeds, just like seed treatment on insects and diseases. And that way you get ahead of things. You don't want to get behind at any point. Once insects have infested your field, weeds have terribly infested your field, disease has terribly infested your field, you can't ever recover maximum yield. You can still save most of your yield, but we're, tra- we're talking today about how do you really maximize that yield 
whether it's corn or any other crop. And on the disease side, there was one interesting thing this year. I, I know FMC is pushing Zyway, and we're going to be doing more experiments with that. We did some this last year. But putting Zyway out at planting time, hoping to not have to spray foliar fungicide. So anyway, pretty exciting. We go through all this stuff, and we, we have to always be thinking about how we're planting the seed as well. So having a a good planter set up right so we get good seed to soil contact, even placement, consistent depth. Even talking about depth, we'll we'll tell you inch and a half to two and a half inches. But if it was me, I'd pick the two to two and a quarter inch depth. But like in our area, when it's non-irrigated and last spring was one of the driest we've ever had, well, you might want to sock it in just a little bit deeper. You might want to get to two and a half and maybe even a hair deeper than that to make sure that you hit moisture so you can get that even emergence. So anyway, lots of things to think about. We could talk for weeks and weeks about tips for higher yielding corn. We're going to have a few guests on the show today, and I I think you will really enjoy it. And again, if you would like to call in you certainly can, and we can talk about specific questions you have or anything going on in your farm to hopefully get some higher yield in corn or any crop. So I'll tell you on our farm, just kind of where we're at. So, you know, we are in an area of the country, we're in in South Dakota where we farm, and we get about 22 inches of total annual precipitation that includes the snow. We've got relatively heavy soil, but we do have some light ground too, some, some CECs down to 7 and 10 And boy, if we don't have timely rains, especially in those lighter soils, we really get hurt. Um, Our farm average on corn, we're probably around 225, I would say. But we have had many fields over the years doing 260, uh, 270, something like that. And we, a lot of times, will hit 300 on the yield monitor here and there. We have had, like at our Ag PhD field day site, where we're more intensively managing a few things, we have hit 300 bushel corn several times there, and we have had some other farmers from around the country and even around the world who have had plots at our field day site managing some ground where they have also gotten 300 bushel corn with their programs that they have run. So anyway, it's certainly possible to get higher yields than what we are seeing in average in our area. And in our area, average yield is 160, 180, something like that. Now, all depends on who you talk to, what the ground is, everything else. But I'm just saying there are many things that can be done to get higher yields in corn. And we're going to talk about a lot of those different things today. Again, if you'd like to call into the show, it's 844-44-AG-PHD, and we are going to get to the AG-PHD mailbag a little bit later in the show. If you've got questions, just email us, radio at agphd.com. So again, our topic for today is tips for higher yields in corn. We're going to get to the phone lines right after this. You're listening to AG-PHD Radio. It's about time. Applied at planting, new Zyway 3D fungicide from FMC delivers foliar disease protection from planting to harvest. Active ingredient flutriophil moves from the soil through the corn as it grows for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. For season-long protection, choose first-of-its-kind Enfuro Zyway 3D fungicide. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here. We are talking today about tips for higher yields in corn, and we're very pleased to be joined by our good friend David Hula from the state of Virginia. David is the world record corn producer. He is also one of the stars of the Next Level Farming Show that you can see on RFD TV on Thursday nights. David, thanks a lot for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for that plug. Not not the high yield part, but the next level farming <laughs> show. <laughs> tell, tell me about that just a little bit. Has it been fun to do that? You know, we we transitioned from that reality show to this one because, you know, I'm not a as you well know, I don't like drama. What farmer does like drama? But um, the next level show, you know, I'm partnered with Randy Dowdy, and you know, we're doing the next level educational thing with camps across the country and you know when people ask us about well you you don't farm in nebraska so how can you grow corn or recommend and you know, now we're seeing you know firsthand some of the challenges that are really happening and and i think we're overcoming a lot of the issues and it's been fun because you know I, i've done stuff with y'all at, at baltic but now we're doing things in nebraska and you know, y'all do have some unique challenges, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, just about everybody does. So for Darren and me, we've had the real good fortune to work with farmers from around the United States and really around the world as well. And y- you learn things. I-, I-, I mean, every time you get involved, you you, you make some decisions out there and then you find out hey was this a good choice or a bad choice but anyway yes uh, the environment is certainly something so talk about overcoming the environment just a little bit like in your area and the, the type of corn yield you raise to me it's pretty incredible because of all the heat that you get i think we're pretty lucky to raise corn here where the at the maximum it gets to 86 degrees that's the average daily high that's it 86 so it's almost perfect for corn right whereas i've been to virginia a few times david and i'm doing an awful lot of sweating it gets really hot down there and you have really light soil how do you raise a crop in those kind of conditions you know well you know we're 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 truly blessed because 
you know, we, we got that heat, but the other thing is we get a lot of humidity. So that's kind of a one way to help things cool down. But, you know, the years that both I and some of these other uh, high yield growers on the Southeast have had, you know, like Randy and, and others, you know, it happens when we have cooler nights, you know, we get the heat like, you know, 2020, you know, we just had unbearable nighttime temperatures and the corn is growing so fast, maturing fast. And, you know, there are things that we can't do, but, you know, we've learned how to manage, you know, growers learn how to manage what they have. And, you know, we've been able to do that with continuous no-till. Now, you know, now we're doing strip tilling. You know, that's hard for me to say because I'm a never-tiller, but we play with that soil warrior. And, you know, we've learned a lot how we can make the crop just respond differently. So we we just, we have our challenges, but, you know, everybody has their little piece of paradise. Okay, so you talk, you bring up this strip-till thing, and we've been doing a lot of strip-till on our farm for many years as well. We've also used a soil warrior here. But my question is, what difference are you really seeing? Is it because you did the tillage and now you've reduced compaction down quite a few inches? Is it because you've placed the fertilizer in the ground? I mean, what are you seeing and why do you believe you're seeing what you are seeing? Uh, well, Brian, I'd say yes and yes. Um, you know, we, we're warming the ground up is one thing. Yep. Because from no-till, even out, even out in your part of the world, it's cooler. You know, growers want yep. to start planting early. I see that. And, you know, so what can they do to help on that even emergence? Warm it up, give you a better seed-to-soil contact. And, you know, one of the fears that growers should have and should pay attention to is as they're doing this tillage, they're burying some of that residue in the seed bed and how much of that residue is coming in contact with the seed. So the soil warrior is allowing us to move that trash out of the way before we even start the planting process. And then the other thing, like you said, the fertility side, we're putting it where the crop roots are growing, you know, where they're not having to source it out. And now we're also able to cut back air fertilizer. You know, there's that efficiency factor, as you well know, and I know you talk about it. And so why not take advantage of it, particularly if you're in a continuous row crop rotation where you don't have to drill uh, cereals. And so, you know, all those things take into play. But that's one of the neat things we've seen with it. Okay, so for us, we're frozen basically five months out of the year. So if I apply fertilizer in, let's call it the middle of November, freezes up in a week or two, and then it's basically like I applied it in the spring because I thought the ground thaws and I'm planting probably about the next day. So for you, I mean, it's going to be obviously different because I don't know if you're even if your ground even freezes. Does your ground freeze at all? Um. If it does, I don't go out the house. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so my question is, because of that, I assume you're probably not going to put that fertilizer out clear in the fall and then go plant in the spring, right? Or, I mean, when, do you, when would well, you prefer to strip till in your area? Well, we, we, this will be the fourth season we've had this, this strip till rig that we're working with. And we have yet to put it out in the fall. Not because I haven't wanted to try it, but because we just get wet. We focus on planting our cereals first, and sure. and now we're just flooded. But air soils are a lot more leachable than other parts of the world. So like potash and sulfur and nitrogen, and we sure don't want to be putting much of that out in the fall because you know we're water quality is a big part of our uh, mindset. 
Chesapeake Bay, James River, all that. So any of the leachable nutrients, the nitrogen, we got, have to be cognizant of. But then potash and sulfur and phosphate, you know, that one wouldn't be so bad. But because of their environment, we wait till February, March, um, in the early spring or late winter, and that's when we start running the equipment as soon as it dries up. And that I would like to try some early. It just it has yet to work out in the lineup with the stars. All right. So we've talked about strip till a little bit. Give us one or two more tips just for any of our listeners today that they could take home and, and at least be thinking about for improving their yields going forward here in 2021 in corn. Well, first and foremost, it, you know, you've heard me talk, you know, before next level and during next level, the planner. You, growers have to fix their the planting process to manage to where they can get uniform emergence. And there's a whole lot of there's we got we've come up with nine steps to it. So there's a lot of things go into that. And then after that, I know I've heard you say over and over again, put tile out there. So really, it's just water. Whatever you can do, either you got too much water, you don't have enough, or you have compaction to where you can't capture the water you have. Fix those. And Brian, as you will, and everybody wants me to tell them what that silver bullet is that they can put in the sprayer inductor to pick up a bunch of bushels. Well, there is no silver bullet, as most growers understand, but just paying attention to a lot of the details, and that's those are the important things, the planter and water. They're the quickest returns that I know you can capture. And then we start managing the nutrients and crop protection and fairy dust. So. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those things, too, are going to vary depending on what sh- what you have in your region for weeds, for insects, for diseases, um, it, you know, what the weather is, everything else, right? I mean, so where, whereas the planter, that's pretty much standard across the board for everybody. Yeah, well, you know, people like to buy new shiny paint. Well, even new stuff needs to be tweaked before they get it in the soil. So pay attention to the details and ground truth it. Make sure you've done a good job before you finish. You know, check it in season. So, because you can't fix it once the planter's done. No. You're you're working with whatever you put in in the soil. Yep, great tips. Again, we've been talking to David Hula. He is the current world record holder for corn yield. He is also involved in the Next Level Farming TV show that is on RFD TV. He is one of the stars of that show that's on RFD TV on Thursday nights. And also, David mentioned the Next Level Farming groups that they are doing around the country. Uh, David, I don't know if you've got any other website than this, but I know you can go to DowdyCropInnovations.com. Again, that's DowdyCropInnovations.com if you want more details on that. David, anything else to add real quick? No, I trust uh, everybody gets safe, and you know this is a time. You know we got to remember why we're here. You know, the good Lord, Lord and Savior. So that's the most important thing that we got to look forward to in the next ten days. All right, we wish you a merry sure. Christmas, David. Thanks a lot for yes, the time. Sir. Really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, 
you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe next spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed treatment from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking to have your seed pre-treated with Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to effective herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Burnmaster, Scorch, and Spitfire for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Get tough on herbicide-resistant weeds. Add Tough 5EC into your post-emergence tank mix and increase control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide-resistant weeds that plague corn, such as Palmer amaranth and water hemp. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide with an underutilized mode of action that provides faster kill and application flexibility for post-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BeltramUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. We're talking a little about tips for higher yields in corn, but a lot of these same things apply regardless of the crop that you raise. Again, if you've got any questions for us, the number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines. We've got Kelly Liberator on with us. She is with BASF. Kelly, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Brian? Excellent. So, You've got a lot of fungicides at BSF, and I, I just had a couple of questions for you. First of all, Veltima just came out this last year. Tell us why you're seeing an advantage to Veltima versus Preaxel or Headline Amp or even old Headline that you've had in the marketplace for years. Right. So the the real big differentiator with Veltima is that it contains our new fungicide active ingredient, Revisol. And, you know, Revisol um, is the first isopropanol azole, and also it 
it widens our ability to control diseases, giving us more flexibility when we're putting out our corn applications, uh, more flexibility for that grower, um, giving him you know, more time management and the security that he'll still be able to control all of those really tough corn diseases, whether it's tar spot or southern rust or anything in between. Okay, so with Veltima, you've got a strobe in there, a strobilurin product, and you've got a triazole, the Revisol. Why Veltima for corn and Revitec for soybeans, where the Revitec has got two of those ingredients, the same ingredients as Veltima, but then, then it also has an SDHI. Do you just not see the performance out of that SDHI in the corn? I mean, what, why is it Veltima in corn rather than Revitec? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And we spent a lot of years um, looking at the performance of the different products between corn and soybeans. And I will say this, you know, Revitec performs excellent in corn as well as soybeans. Um, but from, um, f- from a, a need basis, we just saw that Veltima was a little bit more consistent for corn and um, that Revitec you know, was a better choice in soybeans. And so you were getting everything that you needed. There were no, no gaps in disease coverage or plant health benefits when we were utilizing that Veltima in corn. So what does a farmer really gain when he goes from, let's say, Headline Amp? That was super popular for a number of years, and now they say, all right, BSF, I want to keep using a fungicide. I'm going to go Headline Amp, and you go, oh, wait a second. We got this new product, Veltima. What's the difference between the two? What would we see in the corn? Mm-hmm. Well, so first of all, it's, it's really about consistency. So uh, last year, we launched something called RevX Fields, and we show that Veltima has 99% consistency, meaning it outyields the untreated 99% of the time, and it gives us about a 10.9 bushel per acre yield advantage. Um, as I said, incorporating that new Revisol active ingredient that has both post-infection and exceptionally long residual control allows us to open up that application window um, starting at about 5 feet or V10 and going all the way through R3. So Veltima allows growers to increase their flexibility um, while maintaining that, that security uh, in disease control and plant health. And with Headline Amp, we're still trusted and proven in controlling all of those diseases, but we're a little bit more focused at that traditional timing of um, VT or, or full, full tassel to R2. You mentioned RevX Fields. Uh, can you give us the, the web address for that? Sure, sure. Yep, it's uh, revxfield.com, so RevX Fields. Yep, revxfields.com. So basically you're just comparing yield information and how, how does that information get in there? Does a farmer put that in or agronomist putting that in, BSF people putting that in from farmer data? Where, where does the information come from? Right. So in, in the over 2,000 fields that we uh, have collected um, since 2019, we basically partner with agronomists and uh, growers um, help plan where those applications are going to go and then um, utilizing their as-applied data and as well as their, their yield map and, and yield files, we put that into a system that then um, gets it out onto the website. So a grower could 
go onto that RevX Fields website and look at all the locations that we have out, some of them hopefully in his back, uh, backyard, and see how the product is performing really at a very local level. Yeah, and I, I'm bringing this website up because I have been to that myself, and there is information even for my state of South Dakota, so obviously I'm probably more interested in that for my farm than some of the other states. But uh, but anyway, again, for any of our listeners, you can check that out. It's revxfields.com. Again, we've been talking to Kelly Liberator with BSF. Kelly, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Brian. You bet. All right. Next on, we've got Lance uh, Tarquino. Uh Lance is with DeKalb Asgro. Lance, how are you doing today? Doing great, Brian. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, I was really struggling with uh, with your last name there. So my my, <laughs> sis, my sister Janelle's running our controls today, and she's like, oh, no, here's, uh, here, here's his last name. And anyway, uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit, since you do work with DeKalb Asgro. Obviously, and I'm sure the number one thing you're going to tell people is, hey, if you just pick the right variety, <laughs> that's going to make a lot of difference for yield. But what are you looking at exactly for varieties? And what have you seen maybe in the last two or three years that's changed? Anything new and different where you go, hey, uh, we're, we're looking for this new trait or, or something else that's leading to more yield. Well, I think certainly in, you know, in, in modern corn uh, era, you know, po- population has driven a lot of yield and, and there's still debate amongst seed companies and even within different seed companies between agronomists, you know, what the right population is for corn. But we've, we've obviously bred corn to tolerate higher yields. Uh, or higher populations and, and driven yield. If you look at the amount of grain being produced by an individual plant, it really hasn't changed much over the decades. Uh, if you took an open pollinated hybrid from 80 years ago, uh, that individual plant would probably produce about as much yield as a, as a modern hybrid would. But the difference is, you know, we can tolerate populations, you know, well up into the high 30s and, and even higher in some in some environments. Um, and and that's really where we've where we've achieved yields. If you look at uh, you know populations of guys that are placing in the NCGA yield contest, um, you know they they routinely are planting much higher populations than than the average grower. Okay, a lot of times we've said seven to ten is the range per thousand, and even David Hula will occasionally talk about that. So in other words, if I wanted to plant thirty thousand, I should expect a yield of two ten to three hundred. Does that sound right? Do you think that's off a little bit? What should I be shooting for? I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad place to start if you're looking for a benchmark. If you're, you know, want a, a rule of thumb. Um, you know, we, we really recommend population based on yield goals and yield potential. Yep. Um, you know, you want to be realistic with that. And, and we don't recommend, you know, exceptionally high seeding rates if your environment doesn't support the yield level. So, you know, I think people think seed companies are just trying to sell more seed when we talk about high seeding rates. And when we talk about doing scripting and, and variable rate seeding, um, you know, sometimes growers are surprised at how low we go <laughs> yep. in some parts of the field. Now, they, they also tend to be surprised how high we go in other parts of the field. But, you know, on, on average, they usually end up with about the same average seeding rate that they were using static rate. You know, we're just changing the distribution. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's not um, it's not just about the population. You got to correlate the population to the yield potential of the environment that you're in. 
Lance, we got about 45 seconds left. Any last tips you've got for us today with higher yielding corn? I think, you know, beyond um, population and hybrid selection, I certainly think fertility is a is a huge piece of that. And, and the, the, the corn yield kings have taught us that, you know, you don't want that plant to sense that it's in a nutrient-limiting environment and, and make it get conservative in its, uh, in its yield potential. So uh, feeding that plant appropriately, um, you know, getting a uniform stand, um, you know, it's all about really kernel count and ear count per acre and then maximizing the depth and weight of those kernels as best we can uh, if you're trying to drive yield higher. So anything that uh, keeps that plant going longer, uh, packing more starch into that kernel is is where you're going to get that extra yep. yield. Great tips. Again, Lance Tarchioni uh, with the Cal. Thanks a lot, Lance. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. I need the solve without the cell. With NK Seeds, I get people I trust who show me where their hybrids and varieties fit in my field without the heavy cell. So I get solutions that solve my problems from a partner who knows that success matters. Find your solve at nkseeds.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty. We're talking a little about tips for higher yields in corn, but a lot of these same things apply to every crop as well. Again, if you've got any questions for us, you can email them, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a little bit. But right now, we're going to jump back to the phone lines. We've got Allison Bryan with us. She is a tillage agronomist with Case IH. Allison, how are you today? Hi. Hi, Brian. I'm doing good. Great. All right, so we wanted to talk, we've spent a lot of time talking about seed and fungicides and everything else, but I want to get back to the soil. So just Mm -hmm. talking about tillage and tillage technology, uh, what tips would you have for growers here going into 2021 when they start thinking about tillage and managing that soil? Oh, sure. So... I, I think uh, a big focus is, is going to be trying to mm, create the best soil-to-seed contact as possible, and that, that's the goal here. We want to have a nice, smooth finish and smooth seedbed floor being created. <clears throat> and we've consistently been seeing that whether you manage it in the fall, like say you're in a uh, corn residue situation and you want to manage it in the fall with more aggressive tillage like the 875 disc gripper and then follow it in the spring with the 255 field cultivator or if you just have soybean stubble you don't want to till in the fall and just have that field cultivator in the spring um, you are creating this this seed bed that is prime for enhanced um um, seed placement for your planter. So we're always trying to set the stage for the planter with our, our technology. So that the Tiger Mate specifically, it is equipped with AFS soil command. And so this particular technology is allowing you, uh, while you're in the cab, to adjust the implement on the go. So you can adjust the depth, the fore after that levelness, as well as um, the rear attachment, the pressure. So it's going to alter the the clods that are coming out and that that output with that with that technology. Um, in addition to that technology, we can also uh, have it equipped with the seedbed sense. So this is actually detecting the seedbed quality that you are producing um, immediately as you're killing it. You're getting feedback in the cab, and you can actually see if you're creating. Um, with those soil characteristics that the tillage tool is encountering right then, what what seedbed you're creating, whether it's a rougher um, finish uh, floor or if it's smoother. And so you can make decisions for your tool right then. Uh, say you have a poorer condition or uh, you're creating a poorer floor, you could actually go shallower or you could slow down. Or if you see that you're creating a fantastic um, smooth floor, you could go faster and enhance your productivity. And what's, what's really neat about this, being immediately prior to planting, we've actually seen that it can alter your planter performance. Where we had the poorer seedbed quality, we had a poorer planter unit ride. And where we, had, where we have a uh, better seedbed quality, we are seeing a better planter unit ride. And um, all of that is interacting with each other. So much so <laughs> that... Uh, when uh, you, I mean, you can utilize this to make decisions because you're right immediately prior to planting. Uh, uh, so you can look at if you've got really staggering differences, you can make decisions on your planter population. You can make decisions on your planter speed before you even get into the field because you can visually see that because it's being mapped out and logged so you can see it for later. 
Um, but I think the biggest part as far as the yield advantage there, um, what we looked at this year following um, no fall tillage, we utilized our, our tiger mate and we were getting this feedback from these sensors and then we planted into it and then we, you know, we progressed through the year and we got our grain yield and looking at the areas that had the poor seedbed quality, we had a lower yield and we actually enhanced our grain yield by 12 bushels in our particular situation when we saw that smoother seedbed quality. That's interesting, and I'm I'm glad that you have tracked that back. We we actually use some of your equipment, well, a lot of your equipment on the farm, but mm-hmm. in terms of matching yield with fertility, I hadn't even thought about matching. Well, I didn't have the data uh, on this seedbed mm-hmm. quality thing that you're talking about. So if now we can have this seedbed sense and sense the seedbed quality, then compare that to yield, then that's going to give us. Well, like you said, that's. 12 bushels in your studies, but I'm curious on my farm and how good a job I am doing with that seed bed. Exactly. It's just a whole other tool in the toolbox that you can utilize. Yeah, because honestly, we have... Um, our guy with, let's put it this way, our guy with the most experience is running the equipment. Um, it's one of his last jobs he's going to do for us on the farm mm-hmm. before he retires. Mm-hmm. And I am not paying that much attention to it. And I probably should be paying attention to what is that, that seed bed floor. So anyway, good tips. That's, uh, Allison Bryan. She's a tillage agronomist with Case IH. Uh, Allison, one last quick thing. If, uh, farmers are looking for more information on what you've been talking to us about today where can they go to find that oh you can head to the website caseih.com or or talk to the a local dealer all right allison thanks a lot for the time appreciate it oh thank you you bet all right we've got dell calling in from michigan next dell how's it going today fine thank you brian um i grow about two acres of sweet corn sure and i'm concerned about yield obviously but also sweetness. Can you talk a little bit about what nutrients or micronutrients that enhances sweetness in sweet corn? Sure. Thank you. Enjoy your show. You bet. Yeah, thanks, Dale. Uh, I know one of the other things that uh, Dale had told our call screener, who today is my sister Janelle, uh, or asked her, is population, population on sweet corn. So, you know, it's this, just like on field corn, is going to vary. But I'll put it this way. Our objective with field corn is total yield. Our objective most of the time with sweet corn is we want nice big ears. And I don't care as much about total yield. So a lot of times when we're planting sweet corn, we go half population. So we might run 15,000 or 14,000 as opposed to 28 or 30,000. So anyway, uh, fewer plants is usually helpful for that. Now the problem with fewer plants out there means we're going to have worse crop canopy. So it often means we have to have a little bit more herbicide. We're going pre-emerge, then we're going early post with another residual, and then we might hit it again. So sweet corn is just a little bit different that way. In terms of sweetness, though, it, it I'd really like to see soil tests. So Dell, if you happen to have soil tests, you could send those to us and we could take a look. I don't, I'm, I'll put it this way. I'm not the world's leading expert on how you get more sweetness out of your sweet corn, but I will say we do a lot of work with Neil Kinsey and he consults on, on crops all over the world. And he often talks to us about sulfur and the micronutrients. So, well, most of us as 
corn farmers, number two yellow corn, we're focused on N, P, and K. The focus for the sweetness end of things is sulfur and the micronutrients. Now, sulfur and the micronutrients also definitely plays a role in yield and profitability on regular corn farms, but I think it's even more important on the sweet corn end of things. So we want to see real good levels of sulfur. A lot of times we're talking 50 plus parts per million on sulfur. And I know uh, when I get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a little bit, <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of soil tests that come in and I see five parts per million on sulfur. So that's far different than 50 parts per million. Uh, we also want to make sure we have decent levels of zinc and copper, boron, iron, manganese. So all those things we want to be focused on, but sulfur is probably number one, and that can have an absolute either positive or negative impact on the taste of your vegetables. Anyway, we've been talking about these tips for higher yields in corn. And, you know, obviously there are so many things that we could get into. Hopefully we've given you a few ideas today. Uh, it, it really, as you can see, as we've kind of gone throughout the show, we end up coming back a lot of times to a couple of things, fertility and and what we're doing with that planter. And it's not just the planter, just like we were talking with Alice and Brian just a minute ago. How have you set things up to go into that season? And David Hewlett mentioned that earlier in the show as well. With his strip till, he isn't getting, you know, compared to regular tillage maybe, he isn't getting as many, uh, as much residue into that, that uh, planting zone. So there are just a lot of things for you to look at. We'll talk more about it right after this. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. 
How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation, nobody scrutinizes performance like you do. And acre to acre, year to year, generation to generation. The consistent performance of Vasgro brand soybeans helps to keep your profitability out in front. Offering leading agronomic expertise and 100% exclusive genetics for strong yield potential. Ask your dealer how much further you can grow when Asgro leads the way. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're going to jump right back to the phone lines again. we got TJ Bins on with us. He is with Syngenta. Hey, TJ, how's it going today? Good, how are you? Doing great. All right, we're talking a little about higher yields in corn. What are your top two or three tips you've got for us? So the two things I always think about is making your herbicide application at the right time. I mean, my goal is is to never see a weed. I know it's not realistic all the time, but using our heavier root use rates with overlapping residual. The other one is is your fungicide use, not only using the right fungicide, but applying it at the right time, making sure we get it on before that disease really has time to develop. Okay, talk about that fungicide to me just a little bit more. When you say the right time, and you're down in Kansas, so just looking, let's talk there to begin with. What is the right timing you feel for a fungicide in corn? So for me, it's going to be right at tassel. I mean, that corn plant's kind of changing from its vegetative to reproductive time, and that's when it kind of gives up some of its own defenses. And if we get ahead of that, we don't see quite as good a response. Um, but for the most part, we wait too long, and that disease is already in the plant before we start seeing the symptoms. Okay, so in our region, we have been doing a lot of fungicide in that, call it V5 to V8 timing as well. Do, do, are you finding a lot better response at tassel application in your area versus that early timing, or what do you think about the early timing? So it depends on the portion of the area I cover. So as I look at my area that we don't have as much rainfall, um, yes, I see a higher response to that V5 because basically what we're doing is we're putting together those, basically the, the plant health side of it, putting bigger roots, bigger stalks, and getting it ready for that time when we're going to be moisture stressed later on in the season because it will come because it always does. Yeah, that's almost exactly what I often tell people is, hey, where we have less rain, the early application seems to be better. More rain, the late application seems to be better. Uh, Trivapro, I assume, is the product that, that you would typically recommend for farmers? So if I'm looking at my V5 in my area, I'm really moving a little bit more towards the Miravis Neo. Um, the adeptin okay. molecule in the Miravis Neo seems to be bringing something else to the table as far as the plant health side of it. So early Miravis Neo and, and the tassel application Trivapro? Trivapro, just because we are in an area where southern rust can come in and create some havoc. Yep, absolutely. All right, so let's go back to the herbicide thing. You mentioned 
you'd like to. <laughs> well, it's impossible. You'd like to have never a see a weed. Gotta have a goal. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Okay. So I, I want what I wanted to talk about, since you are in a relatively dry area, when we start thinking Kansas, a lot of times people are thinking, oh, it's, it's pretty dry. How do you get the pre-emerge herbicide to work well? So... <sighs> That, that is a, a tough question. I mean, yes, we do have irrigation to get it incorporated. But the other side of it is, is we just almost have to close our eyes and do what's right. Because we, and you know, talking with people today, we can go from being too dry to wet overnight, right? Yep. If we don't yep. have our product out there in time before that rain hits, we're not waiting for one rain. We're waiting for two rains, and that can be a long time in between. So right. it's almost a you do what's right and you hope mother nature will work with you. And the other thing is, is if it's that dry, guess what? We're not going to be having those weeds germinating anyway, because it's too dry in that top half an inch for them to come up. Okay. If let's, let's just play that out for a second, because it has been hot and dry here over the last six months across most of the United States. So you mentioned irrigation. Let's say the person does have irrigation, but it's really dry in the spring when you're planting and, and doing your, your application of the herbicide. How much, much water would you suggest the farmer puts on if he sprayed that herbicide and he thinks, oh, I'm not going to have any rain for two weeks? How much water would you irrigate with? We're usually going to put on three quarters of an inch to an inch. Um, the other thing, you know, as we're talking in these drier soils, the other thing we really look at is doing an overlapping residual. Yeah. So you put a foundation rate on at planting, and then we're, we've kind of just went to a calendar date of, for general, 25 days later, we're coming in putting the other half on. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, that first part that I put on isn't there anymore, at least that way you've got the other half to keep backing you up rather than sticking it all out of planting and being afraid that you lost it in the meantime without it ever getting incorporated. So yeah. it kind of gives you a, a saving grace there at that point. Yeah, uh, and some of these herbicide prices have, have been pretty reasonable lately, I would I would call it. And so it's made the it's given us a better opportunity to come with that overlapping residual. Back when I was first getting going as an agronomist 25, 30 years ago, <laughs> uh, we, we didn't have a lot of options. We have a lot of options today, and so it's exciting to me. And we've done a lot of overlapping residuals here probably the last three, four years on our farm too. A lot cleaner fields. So, nope, I, I think both of those are great tips. So we've been talking to TJ well, Bins with Syngenta. Thanks a lot for the time today, TJ. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right. Well, it is time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, first one here, uh, and I don't have a name on this, I apologize, but the question is, I use a quart of zinc in the row and corn planting. What if I add a quart to my side dress for carryover to next year's beans? Will it last without leaching? Uh, that would cost me about $8 an acre, and it would eliminate a more expensive dry spreader pass. All right, so I'll say this. When you start talking $8 an acre for zinc, I look at that as expensive for something that's going to be there for the following year and maybe not in the right spot. Where I'm going with this is I, I like the zinc at planting time, and I have now banded it, and it's it's effective, efficient. I mean, that's a really good way to go. So I really do like that. But when we start talking about a quart with the side dress, keep in mind, zinc doesn't move in the soil. It's just like phosphorus in that it's going to stay where you put it. So if it's in the right spot for your beans for next year, then that's fine. But if it's going to be 10 inches away from where your beans are next year, then you may or may not get a tremendous amount out of that. We look at using a little bit of good liquid product 
at planting time. We do it all the time, a little bit of zinc, and that's awesome. So we like that to feed the crop, whatever crop we're talking about. If you have a major zinc issue in your soil, where let's say your phosphorus levels are at 100 parts per million and your zinc level's at 1, okay, you're very, very short on zinc, and it's hurting your yield. And if you want to do a broadcast application, you can go out there with some zinc sulfate and and run that dry spreader pretty inexpensively. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad to put that, that quart of zinc out at side dress, but if it was me, I might just up my rate in the row with my corn and call it good. So I, I, you know, in terms of what you need for next year for soybeans, if I feel I need something next year for soybeans, I would rather add it at that time so that I know it's properly placed. All right. Uh, next one is from Shane. He says, uh, hi, I'm from Nebraska and I've been farming with an uncle for a few years, starting to rent my own acres. I was listening to your show recently on planting populations. Now we use 20 inch rows in corn and soybeans. How does that affect population? I heard you saying to take your yield goal times seven. Is that for thirties or does it work on twenties too? Thanks. I've learned a lot from listening to you guys. Uh, yeah, Shane, I don't care if we're talking 20 intros, 30 intros, 40 intros, whatever it is, we're usually still talking that same 7 to 10 range. So in other words, if I was going to plant 30,000 plants per acre, I would hope for a yield of 210 to 300 bushels. The nice thing when you go to a little bit narrower row, you can plant the exact same population as the 30 intro, and now you're going to get better, better crop canopy. Okay, because of the better spacing that you've got out there in that field. So a lot of times what that narrower row means is you're trapping a little more moisture, which can be a good thing in Nebraska, as you know, and you're getting a little bit better weed control. So I don't think it's going to affect population a whole lot. I'll say this. I've had guys go to 20-inch rows, and they up their population right away, but they do nothing different on fertility. Well, you got to make sure you do something different on fertility if you're going to up the population. You need more fertilizer there for more plants. All right, next one is from Darren. He says, uh, on my farm, sulfur and zinc, I know you guys are talking about sulfur and zinc. Uh, they are a major focus for me every year, and I uh, just wanted to thank you for the show. Uh, yeah, Darren, I, 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 sulfur and zinc are just tremendously huge. We, we, as farmers, I think we're growing up conditioned to think NPK. It's NPK, NPK. But sulfur and zinc, they're so critical to corn yields. And we were talking all throughout the show today about tips for higher yielding corn. Well, I don't care what crop we're talking about. you got to have the right nutrients all the time. And then let's take it one step further. And there's NPK, there's sulfur and zinc, but let's not forget about calcium and magnesium and all the different micronutrients besides zinc, like boron, manganese, copper, iron, even potentially molybdenum, cobalt. I mean, there are a lot of things you can take a look at on your farm. We just really encourage you continue working hard toward higher yields and just as importantly, or perhaps more importantly, higher profitability on the farm. All right, well, before we go, I just want to say thanks to uh, my sister Janelle. She was running the controls for me today. Thanks to all our guests and everyone who called or wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.